Welcome to Leading at the Point of Sale. I'm John Ockabenny. I'm an industry veteran in the startup world, venture capital, and I'm the CEO of a company called NatureBox. This podcast is dedicated towards leading people and navigating tough headwinds. Whether you're the commander of a large tanker or the skipper of a small startup, the decisions you make will be the difference between sinking and sailing into calmer waters. My job is to be curating interviews in the best of the best from Silicon Valley, providing valuable insights and tactics to help you on your journey. Let's get started. Welcome back to Leading at the Point of Sale podcast. Today, our guest is Joe Deal, and she's the Chief Human Resource Officer at LogMeIn. Uh, LogMeIn is a company that is coined the term working from anywhere company. Joe also worked at Citrix and Informatic and is a, an extreme veteran and a black belt in this business. So welcome, Joe. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks, John. Thanks for having me. I always think it's, it's really fun for me to take guests that have companies that are actually in the business of helping companies during COVID uh, manage remote teams, but also you have your own company to deal with. So I'd love to hear your story of your own company and how you migrated and, and how you dealt with COVID as it hit and uh, bring us to today. Yes, it was. it's sort of a two-pronged story, I suppose, that we had, you know, I think like many companies had reached that point early last year where we realized this pandemic was bigger than I think anyone initially thought and that it was impacting employees all around the world. So we made that decision to pivot and go fully remote when a lot of other people did. And at the same time, as you say, we're kind of the work from anywhere company. We have technology that helps companies support each other and customers from anywhere, be secure from Mm -hmm. anywhere and connect from anywhere. So at the same time that we were scrambling to get 4,000 of our own set up remotely, we were also seeing a huge uptick in business and helping our customers do the same. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of interesting. You would think, oh, well, log me in. You're all remote, right? But you, you probably were under one office. Is that right? What percent of the the employee base is actually working before COVID, working from home? I mean, I think what we were, like lots of people, is maybe, I mean, I certainly had times when I was remote, maybe you could do a day a week or a day a month. I think we had globally about 12% of our global workforce were fully remote, nowhere mm. near an office. But we're in mm-hmm. about 15 countries and we have, you know, we have great office spaces in all of those countries and across the US. So majority of people did go into the office quite often. So, you know, working from home once a month is very different to packing up your things, going home for an indefinite period of time. And so, you know, in the beginning, it was really about does everybody have the equipment they need? And are they, you know, things like a headset? I mean, if you're working from home just occasionally, then, you know, you maybe don't even have a home office set up. You just use the kitchen table and it's and it's occasional and it's fine. But when it was all day, every day, it's it just requires different different setup, different support, different technology and infrastructure. And so that was our first order of priority. And we yeah. had we have a number of employees in Guatemala that they all came into the office every day. And so they didn't even have laptops. So that was, you know, a big step is equipping everybody with just the basics so they could go home and stay home and work and work productively. Yeah. What's interesting to me in our conversations, Joe, is that you uh, and Log Me In actually declared this idea of the future of work. And you you made that a statement in the company. A lot of people have just sort of been continually kicked the can down the road. Like, we'll tell you, well, you know, we're still doing this for another three months, another three months. But you had a more declarative approach. Why did you do that? And why do you think that was important? Well, I think we were several months into this 
journey. Journey is a nice word for it, right? I think it was a bit of a sprint in the beginning. And then we realized it wasn't going to end. And so the sprint looked like a marathon and there's no way that you could keep going at that pace. So we just took a pause. We surveyed our employees and we've done a number of surveys with people to understand how were they doing and what could we do to help them. And so the early surveys were, as I said, focused on basic needs and just getting people into survival mode. But then I think we started Mm -hmm. to see some people thrive. One of the things we did early on was try and have people identify what kind of work from home persona are you? Are you dealing with young children? And so your schedule's all over the place. Do you have school children that are trying to do homeschool and you have to step away and help with that? Are you caring for adults or are you sharing an apartment with four other people all fighting for bandwidth and all sharing the kitchen table? So (laughs) Mm -hmm. we've got 4,000 employees of different ages and moments in their life. And so it's really trying to understand where were people at and how could we meet them where they were. And that was really the early part of it. And once we got to grips with that and figured out how do people like to work and what suits their schedule and how can we train our managers to be more empathetic to a situation that might be different from their own, we started to get maybe good at it and we started to get feedback that people liked it. And obviously there's huge Mm. upside to this working from home, you know, especially maybe not so much when you've got (laughs) young children there and you're having to be a teacher as well as a worker. But, Mm -hmm. you know, for many, this opportunity to save on commute time, have more time with your family, be in the comfort of your own home. There's lots of things to like about it. And so we started to get that feedback that people saw upside in it and maybe wanted to do more. And we also just saw that the world was changing and a lot of people, quite a few companies declared early, you know, you can, you can go for the next year, we're not going to reopen our offices. And others, as you say, have sort of doled it out bit by bit and people weren't sure. We decided to just declare and say, we do not expect people to come back to an office if they don't want to. We will Mm. be what we call a remote centric company. So it's not remote first. We do still have offices and we'll continue to. But we started to think about using our offices for a different purpose than me driving 40 minutes, sitting at my desk and doing individual work and then driving home again. Maybe I'd come to the office for networking, for socializing, for the community and team building type activities. But if I had a day of just one-on-one meetings and individual think time type work, then I'd prefer to do that at home. So we surveyed and found almost 75% of our employees wanted to be what we've called hybrid or mostly remote or even fully remote. And so maybe some wants to come to the office once or twice a week, but more often it was once a month or once a year, maybe for a team event. And so with that interest in being more remote, we decided to declare it and say, this is this is what we'll do. We're going to reconfigure some of our offices. We may reduce some of our office footprints. We may get rid of some of our offices. And we've shared that strategy. It's a mm-hmm. multi-year strategy, but we've shared it with our employees so they can factor that in and make their own plans. And you know, we've seen quite a lot of migration for people who've said, well, if I don't need to be anchored around a particular office space, then my family would like to live in this state or this country. And so we're going to make those plans. And obviously, you know, with the pandemic, it's a little hard to make some of those plans, but we've seen about 80 employees already relocate, permanently relocate. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's, it's a real shift on, you know, you pick, you must pick your job based on where you live and what the options are. How nice to say, well, I'll pick my job and I'll pick where I live. And those two do not need to be mutually aligned 
gives a lot more choice. If you were to describe the office environment pre-COVID, like how much investment actually went into the office to drive culture? And don't you think you're going to miss that culture in those, yes. you know, in the, in this hybrid? So how do you, I mean, is, is it just still an experiment as you're going along or are you, are you worried about that? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something I think a lot about. Our office space was amazing. And we were just, I was just talking to my head of recruitment, you know, when people would come in for an interview, they would always comment on the vibe, the energy, the excitement mm. that sort of that you mm. can feel and you just feel it walking in. Yeah, well, Our offices had great amenities, no matter if they were in Budapest, in Dublin, in Boston, rooftop terrace and there's coffee mm. areas and just, you know, lots of tech companies have cool offices. And I think ours were some of the best. So how do you replicate that energy? I, I think also right now everybody's hungering for that because I think it's important mm. to separate the future of work and then the current state of work in a pandemic where, mm. you know, we can't see our friends, we can't socialize. You know, I'm back in California now, but I was, I was in Boston and, you know, I have colleagues there, they're buried under snow. It's too cold to go outside. You can't meet up inside. So some of those things that we're looking for they will come back to us when this pandemic declines, when people get vaccinated, you know, when we come out the other side of it. And so then I think there's a little bit less of a reliance. It will go back to what it was before, where you didn't need work to provide all of that to you because your outside work life would provide that. So I'm trying to think about just that piece of it, not solving for all of it because we can't and we won't have to. It's hard right now because some of the things we're trying are relevant to the pandemic situation. But mm. I do think they'll endure. So we're, we're testing things. I mean, lots of companies have done, you know, the video happy hours and all the different things. Sort of like a pendulum. You know, you, you, yes. you, uh, you see things, the benefits, and then, but you're really under a, a still a cloud of COVID and without vaccines, but vaccines are coming. Yes. And then it sounds like you're trying to kind of imagine, how do I take the best parts of what we learn from working from home and some of those gems and then some of the, you know, bring back the, the thirst to be back in the office as well. It's like, the sort of the novelty kind of wears off. And I found uh, with my own employees myself is that uh, we all kind of get into these unconscious habits, right? And so when we were first faced with these new changes, we were forced out of our current habits with like driving to work unconsciously and, uh, you know, drinking that same cup of coffee. Mm -hmm. But now, now, now that it's like Groundhog Day in my house. (laughs) So, so you, you, it sort of ebbs and flows, but I guess you're trying to pick the best of both. Let's try it learn from it, get rid of some things, try new things. I, I, I think to your point about the pendulum, I think everybody got a little bit of meeting fatigue, right? You were constantly on videos, even if it was fun, trivia night and happy hour. And so we pulled back on that and I was just having some conversations with a colleague in London. And I think for us, we need to bring some of that back again. We took a mm. break, but now again, that we especially in the UK, they're on pretty extreme lockdown. So how can we reconnect people again? And yes, it's virtual, but it's, I think people are ready for it again. So I think you just have to keep trying. And as you said, the pendulum will swing back and forth until we figure out what normal is. And you, you had mentioned that the importance of um, being able to recruit people, maybe taking advantage of this idea that you can actually live in almost any country. And you guys are a multinational, international uh, business. How has the recruiting th- uh, possibilities changed in your thoughts in terms of how do you leverage this you know, s- you know, future of work to your advantage? Yeah, I mean, that's the really, really exciting part, I think, is you, you've really opened up your access to a much broader pool of talent. Mm. And so that 
for me, brings the opportunity for much better diversity hiring. Mm-hmm. Where you're just you're just not constrained by a physical office location, um, and so when you can really open it up to working from anywhere, that really does open up new opportunities and, and arguably into talent pools where if you're not requiring somebody to commute to an office and maybe they can't, maybe they're mobility impaired or visually impaired. I mean, I think it really does shift how we think about hiring and accessing great talent that just was perhaps not able to physically commute where you take away that constraint. And it's not just locations that open up, but the talent pools open up in so many different ways. So that's something that my recruitment team are really excited about and have already started exploring different possibilities. I mean, I think the the key thing to have before you, you know, we declared our intention around the fu- our future of work and it's a balance of, I think people like certainty. So I know some companies mm. said, we're not going to open our offices for a year. People know where they stand. I've mm-hmm. heard some companies that have not yet been willing to commit on, will we allow, will we continue to allow remote work? And as a result, they've lost some people because that's important mm. to them and there's uncertainty there. We did a lot of work before we declared it and we're still working on what it all means. People have lots of questions, but one of the big things was anywhere. What does anywhere mean? Mm-hmm. We have a presence in 15 different countries But that does limit us to those 15 countries. If someone said, well, I'd like to go and work in the 16th country, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that for now, that's not an option. We don't have a legal entity. So we built a whole framework that we describe as LPS, so legal, practical, and sustainable. So number one, is it legal for you to work in that country, in that state? Not just does the company have an entity, can we employ you there and provide you payroll and tax deductions and benefits, but can you legally work there? So there's sort of that aspect. Then the practical one is, you know, just thinking about the work you do, the teams that you collaborate with. Is it practical for you to go and move from Utah to Florida? Mm-hmm. It's a three-hour time difference. Do you support customers? Will you? Can you work with your teams? Is that going to impact your life and their lives? So thinking through that aspect of things. And then sustainable is sort of as we come out the other side of this and you think forward two years, five years, is it going to endure that decision you've made? And so... It's been a helpful framework for people to just take a look and understand my family wants to move here. How does that fit with my job? Well, I I want people to still enjoy their jobs, not move somewhere and think, oh, this is, I feel a bit left out in the cold. Everyone else is on a different time zone and I'm constantly working early Mm -hmm. mornings or late nights just to help people think all of that through. And we- I like that. I like- Yeah. Yeah. I like LPS. That sounds interesting. Is there like a judging panel that, that, uh, or do the managers kind of present their LPS case and then they get approved? Like, uh, uh, is there, is there much process behind it or just a good framework for managers to think about it? You know, we, I'm not a big fan of too much process. Um, so we try to keep it light, but obviously this is complex, right? Even just crossing from one state to another, there's different taxes. Yeah. And so we, we did have, we had a very good framework and then we sort of just said, look, if you're moving, obviously, if you're moving, I have a, one of my team member who lived in Sydney and she's moved out to the suburbs about two hours outside of Sydney. That one was straightforward. She just talked to her manager and they agreed. If you're crossing a state line or a country line, that's when it does get a bit more complicated. And so we do have a team that can help work through the tax implications. I mean, we can't advise our employees on tax, but we can point out things to think about. Mm-hmm. And so... We promised to be speedy in our responses when people came in with questions and we have a small team. I know some companies have hired 
I think that's the hot job, right? The head of remote. Mm. And we have, we just have a cross-functional team from tax, immigration, HR, and finance. And we just get together as needed to figure out when people bring us questions, what, what the right answer is to help them think it through. So you have a committee approach versus actually hiring that manager to kind of head of remote. You do not have a head of remote. You've basically created a, a functional sort of cross-functional team. Is that right? That's right. I mean, we have we have a couple of people who are probably playing that role because they're driving different pieces of our future of work initiative on how mm-hmm. do we collaborate, how do we allocate budgets so that teams can get together or that local people can get together. Because I think you're going to, we used to have this great, we have a hub concept. Each of our offices has a hub, no matter where they are. And there's a hub leader and people think about social events, but they were always anchored around the office. They could be charitable events, community events, trivia nights. And so we've taken that structure and said, right, how do we remove it from a physical office? And how do we think about groups of employees as people are migrating and living in different areas? For example, where I am in the Bay Area, we don't have an office, but there's other people that work nearby. They're not in yeah. my team. So thinking about not just team building within function, but co- employee collaboration across location yeah. and putting some structure and some dollars, frankly, behind that so that people can get together there too. It's interesting. There's just very subtle uh, differences like in terms of how our muscle memory works in terms of how we th- talk about culture. It was sort of just around those physical spaces, even though we didn't yes. really think that much. How, in terms of dollars of resources and where you allocate those, how have the benefits changed? Like, what are the things that, you know, from the, from uh, before to today, like, uh, how do you think of how those benefit priorities are changing? So we, I mean, the obvious things like commuter benefits, I mean, you know, we have sort of tax-free deductions in the U.S. to go towards commuter benefits, and we have different plans in different countries. We were about to roll it out, a newer program in, I think it was Canada and Germany we were looking at. And then people said, you know, it's not really as important to me right now. Hmm. So some sort of very obvious things, I suppose you're commuting less, maybe you need that benefit less. We have probably upped our investment in wellness, I think. Mm. And that's, that's probably somewhat pandemic specific. This has been a really stressful time for people. Yeah, sure. And so as many companies have really just diverting money and time and attention, frankly, to mental health and well-being childcare when that again schools are closed daycares are closed so trying to help mm. people with backup there so again it's sort of there's some things that we're doing right now and then some things that you know maybe backup childcare is something that you might opt out of your current situation because you're at home you could pick your kids up from school and be around but there may be days when you do want to go to the office so maybe you just need occasional childcare so I, i'm not sure that there's a thing in in the hr world that we haven't rethought and looked yeah. at it through the remote lens and said, does that still work from onboarding to hiring to our benefits offerings? There's the very tactical benefits around financial support for setting up a home office. Yeah. Getting a second monitor, having a stand-up mm. desk. Mm-hmm. You know, we're looking right now at whether we should offer monthly stipends as well to people who are you know, sure. mostly remote to help them with some of those home costs. You know, snack. we had great snacks in our offices and that's always a question people, I think people imagine that we could send them a snack box at home every week and not that practical and pretty expensive and not very good for the environment, which is another one of our pillars as a company is I think the amount. That's of, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like footprint. A, nature box was right in there, right? Like we that you're talking yes. uh, our alley right now, but, but um, one of the 
benefits that we had, NatureBox had these in-office solutions that had low packaging costs, right? Or right. it was bulk, bulk snacks. People loved them. Uh, and now, you know, we're serving at home. So that's one of the things we're trying to really think through as well in terms of uh, serving folks. Well, I think that's an, a nice option that you have where people can almost go and order it themselves and then think about the bulk packaging yeah. and a bulk yes. order versus yeah. a box a week or what, you know, people have different expectations. And when we have done sent goodies out to people, you get that range of employee relax- reaction from, you know, it's not gluten-free or it's not GM or whatever <laughs> it is that people say. And then you get people who are yeah. generally really appreciative that, we thought of something and we've done something and, and we'll continue to do things like that. I think that's still the beginning of our journey is as we replicate, because I think one of the main goals is not to create two tiers of citizen, the remote yeah. one and the office mm. one. And so right now it's, it's been an amazing leveler as we've all gone remote all at the same time. I think people that were primarily office-based, they were always the person in the room with colleagues for any video meeting and we use video meetings yeah. for every, everything we use go to yeah. meeting so but you'd often have one person who's on video and everyone else is in the room and they forget and they talk across you or they you know there's inside jokes in the room and so suddenly when everyone was remote I think it taught everybody how to what the experiences is like and therefore how to be more mindful and that includes engineers designing the products yeah all the way through super through, interesting yeah how we treat our colleagues so I think someone said to me once we're in I wonder who said this. I think a forester researcher. We are in easy play mode right now, which doesn't feel <laughs> that way. But easy play mode. What's that easy mean? Easy play mode. So we're in level one of this remote working game. And I uh, got it. Right. When yeah. some people go back to the office, we're going to be in level ten or hard player mode. <laughs> and but, it doesn't feel yeah. easy though. But to know it's going to get harder, and I think that's what it's about. Is sort of making sure that it's a really engaging environment for everybody. And we don't go back to, well, the one remote person who's dialed in, we don't, you know, their voice is not heard. It's almost like you need to think about communication training around that yes. scenario, right? Like, so that people are mindful that uh, we've all, it, it, you know, it, we've all now been doing this. And so we're mindful, but we may forget when we go back to the office and we may forget that that person's on the phone and their voices need to be heard. Um, not only yeah. what are the personalities, but how do they, how do they want to interact? So there's probably a great training opportunity there. I think so. That's back to sort of making sure the lessons we've learned endure, as you say, and we don't forget them. Our executive team used to meet, well, we meet every week and that would be absolutely the day you'd come into the office. A lot of us were in Boston <laughs> and we have a couple on the West coast and one in, in, in the UK. And they've just been delighted when we were all remote because it, mm. it leveled the playing field. And so our CEO has said, we will, we will not go back. Like that day will always be the day we're all remote. Yeah. And so nobody gets an unfair advantage from being co-located in a room with each other. And we'll still come together and, you know, do all the things that we want to do to build community and camaraderie. But the executive meeting, which used to always be, if you could be in Boston, that was the day it's flipped. And we will, he's, he said, we will not go back to that. So everybody will be remote. Yeah, what a it's and it's really uh, uh, leaders need to experience the thing these things firsthand yes. uh, to create behavior change. Uh, so, uh, uh, Joe, if you were in a room with um, you know ten other uh, peers, chief resource officers, uh, chief people officers, like what what advice would you give them? Like uh, you know, from your experience going through this, you know, what would be the one or two key pieces of advice that you would 
you think are important to kind of communicate? I think there is a, there's definitely an anticipation of when will this be over and we can go back. Mm -hmm. And I think my first piece of advice would be when you can't go back, employees don't want it. People want the flexibility Mm. and maybe it's a day a week at home or a day a month, but they want that flexibility. That's the first thing you can't get left behind on this. I think it will become a competitive advantage, the companies that do this versus those that don't. Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. And then secondly, I think if you are going to do it, and I think you have to, then I would encourage people to take a look at every aspect of their talent programs, your benefits, your compensation. Maybe you have regional pay differences based on where someone is. Do you want to keep those? If people move from a high cost part of the US to a low cost part of the US, you know, you're onboarding your recruitment. You have to relook at everything and make sure that you've factored in Does it work in a virtual world, a remote world? And then I think the third thing would be talk to your employees, constant pulse surveys, engaging them on what's working, what's not, how can we do better? Mm -hmm. That's, we've learned a lot from asking our employees and they've seen that if they respond to our surveys, that we've acted upon it. And so they keep responding. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really rich, rich data and intelligence that's, that's helped us and know where do we need to train our managers more? Where do our leaders need to be role modeling versus just saying, oh, it's okay to take a, take a day off or take a break, but to really role model that and show people that it's okay. Yeah. So you're I'm ready. give you a lot of information. I'm ready for that day off. I think you had mentioned to me about the forgotten vacation of 2020 and yeah. 2021. It's got to be the, 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 uh, the time to do that, to start thinking about that. I think we all need it. And so many people didn't take vacation because, you know, what's the point? You can't really go anywhere. And I think we've, we've just really been encouraging people to take, take the time. We instituted a day off for everybody. I think last April we first did it and said, everybody should just take a day off this month. And it was great. And then people said, but, you know, I came back to a pile of emails and loads of work. So in May we said, we're all going to take the same day off. And we instituted a self-care day. So the whole company shuts down and we've, People love it. And we have continued that ever since just last Friday was our self-care day for February. People post all sorts of selfies and pictures of what they've been up to on their day off. It's become this sort of social <laughs> viral thing where yeah. I was talking to a colleague. All I did was run errands last Friday. It was a very boring self-care day. And then I look <laughs> and people are hiking up mountains and skiing and doing really impressive things. But it's a really valuable day because you know that no one else is working. And you're not going to yeah. feel the pressure of that work building up. I, th- I think I'm going to, this weekend, I'm going to, I'm going to get one of those drinks with those little umbrellas, you yeah. know, and, uh, yeah. and uh, go into my hot tub and then uh, have a little vacation day right, right there. And looking forward to that day when I can actually be on a beach with some other folks. I know. But uh, Joe, I, I want to thank you for your time. That was really fantastic. I, I think uh, a lot of people appreciate this conversation. Um and, um, you know, we should check back in at, at the, uh, later on this, this year, see how things are going and log me in, but thank you for your time. I appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks again for having me. It's been, it's been fun talking about it. It's such a, such a hot trend, but it's definitely one that is not going away. So it's great to hear ideas on what people are doing in this space. Thanks for listening. One final note before we cast off is I want to thank our sponsors, which is NatureBox dedicated to providing engagement, wellness snacks that can reduce stress in one's body using adaptogenic plant-based ingredients and services to really help HR departments, 
and executives motivate their teams with these wonderful perks at home. Don't take it from us. Take it from some of our big customers, Google, Facebook, and others. Thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time.